is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. Welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast, proudly sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has it all. Daily, weekly, and season-long best ball tournaments that are literally happening 365 days a year. Plus, you can play their pick and prop games, get five picks right, and get 20 times your money. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code TNFF. You will get a 100% deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. I'm your host, Gymnastic. You can find me at Twitter, at GoldJacketQBs. I'm joined, as always, by the other host of this show, Connor Donald. He can be found at Twitter, at Connor10. We are proud members of the True North Fantasy Football Network. That 10 is T-E-N, by the way. Make sure to check out the entire network on Twitter, at TrueNorthFFB. YouTube, if you're watching right now, we thank you. It's the TNFF Network if you want to rewatch later. And on the internet, truenorthffb.com. We got a whole bunch of shit over there. Rankings, articles, podcasts, so much more. Today is week three of a four-week dive into the winners and losers of post-draft fantasy landscape at each position, rookies and veterans. We talk about who you should consider buying, who you should consider selling, and lots of bullshit strategy talk this offseason as I continue to ramble on. But first, what's happening, Connor? Not much, man. I am dealing with seasonal allergies that are currently kicking my ass, but otherwise I am uh, I'm doing well and I am pumped and ready to talk some wide receivers because if you go just rolling through Twitter just a little bit right now, things are getting a little wild. Things are getting a little out of hand. So let's bring it back to reality. Let's talk some wide receivers. Let's dive into this. And let's start out with one wide receiving room you specifically named out. And right before we came on the air, we I specifically pointed out as, holy shit, look at all the value. The Arizona Cardinals, they're without DeAndre Hopkins to start the season. Obviously, he's out. I think I believe the suspension's eight games, PEDs. Um, and then Christian Kirk has departed, which people underrate his departure, I do believe, because that is 900 yards of that offense departing. So there is somebody, Marquise Brown, who is going to step in and take on that role. But let's talk (laughs) about Arizona. What are your thoughts on Arizona? I mean, they drafted Trey McBride. They signed Zach Ertz to the extension. So one would expect, you know, maybe some more tight end usage in the early going without DeAndre Hopkins. Then you brought in Marquise Brown. They got A.J. Green back. It's It's a weird situation and then you got everything going on with Kylo Murray and will he play will he not play we believe he will play we believe this is he's gonna get his money the Arizona Cardinals are not in a spot to walk away from Kyler Murray and just bring in Baker Mayfield or Jimmy G to try and keep things afloat they're in a position where they need to have their quarterback playing and that quarterback be Kyler Murray so We talked about this a minute ago. We were looking at the Dynasty ADPs per MFL. And the first Arizona Cardinal off the board is Marquise Brown at 27. I had the question to you of how can you have Kyler Murray justified as a top five wide, top five quarterback and his first primary wide receiving target is coming off the board at wide receiver 27 or at an ADP of 73. So I've rambled a little bit of my complete confusion, but Jim? I think that argument goes back to uh, like the Jalen Hurts or or the Lamar uh, Jackson argument, right? Where where Mm -hmm. their wide receiver doesn't need to be uh, that big a piece of the pie. The rushing upside is is what's really going to boister that fantasy relevance but um even even as a rushing floor you still expect i mean somebody 
to be significant in his passing game, right? Like, if you got him throwing for 5,000 yards, what you got, like, 11 guys catching, like, 600 yards, 400 yards each? Like, what do you got? Like, what do you got happening? Like, it's, and I believe it's a six-game suspension for – for new yeah so. i think i think you're right about that the suspension so. length but like look at the like you're talking an offense that's still through the ball 34 times with oh, kyler yeah, murray well. in in the 14 games that kyler murray was healthy you're talking about a quarterback who threw the ball for 3787 yards in 14 games he didn't even have a full 17 game season because he missed a few games with injury so you're talking a 270 yards per game average which ranks him 14th right in the middle of the pack and assuming that he had been healthy for the remainder of the season and he had have had two more games out of him, you add 270 times two under that 3,700 yards, and you're talking about a 40, what, 41, 4,200 yard quarterback. And that's before the ground. That had nothing to do with what he's doing on the ground, and that has everything to do with where he's passing. So, like, where where is all the where's those 4200 yards going is it just Zacherts and trey mcbride are gonna inhale a thousand like 1500 yards a piece and the wide receivers are gonna have no oh absolutely not connor come on man we both know it's fucking marquise brown as much as i i must want as much as i used to shit on him uh in baltimore thinking that he wasn't really the answer there um they had bigger, better receivers. I thought, like even Devin Duvernay, before they got Bateman, I thought was more apt to fit the prototypical role. But either way, now they got Bateman. Uh, he fits more of that Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury offense style, right? Where like mm-hmm. doesn't really fit LJ's mold, man. Like we quip LJ for not being able to like chuck a ball deep and accurate meanwhile like that's kind of what you need i think kyler murray ranked number one in deep ball completion number one he completed 50 percent of his passes that were deep and marquise brown had the number eight most deep targets so i mean this is like a match made in heaven this is what you needed marquise brown literally said he wanted out of town basically because he didn't feel that the offense matched him. Basically, the, the 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 underlying belief for him was that he could be used better, and he wasn't being used effectively enough in Baltimore. And this feels like the perfect offense. Wide receiver twenty eight. It seems really cheap. Like this is a guy even with a DeAndre Hopkins, who I think has the upside to be low end wide receiver two. So even if it's just a little bit of value, you're still getting a really good value. Marquise Brown's likely, what, your second wide receiver, maybe your third wide receiver, depending on your strategy off the board. And you're looking at a guy with that low-end wide receiver two upside. I like it. Just for the dozens of listeners around the globe, um, what is the ADP on New Hopkins? Just to, uh, I mean, even with a six-game suspension, he's going to smash this ADP. Wide receiver 46. Yeah, that's absolutely disgusting. Come on, guys. In startups. In startups. Like, we're talking startups drafted post-draft. So starting from May 1st, I pulled the ADP, and he is going wide receiver 46. The injuries probably don't help that people are baking into it, and then you have the suspension that people are baking into it. But I can guarantee this guy comes back week seven and starts playing. There's a very real chance he could be a top 12 wide receiver running through that back half of the season for you. He could potentially be a playoff, take you to the playoffs when you help you win the playoffs. Because at that point, Kyler Murray is going to really need a second wide receiver, obviously. So that, that to me, that's crazy. Like I I get it. DeAndre Hopkins, there's some injuries. He's 29 years old, whatever. Put throw out the injury card, throw out the age card, throw whatever card you want that, to justify drafting him as a 46 wide receiver off the board. But that for most is like your fourth wide receiver. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like I think he's going behind what I, I, probably 12 of the wide re- rookie wide receivers in this class. 
And I can tell you right now, 12 wide receivers from this rookie class are now performing him over the next three seasons. <clears throat> no, not, not at all. Uh, that's that's 100% accurate with that. Speaking of rookie wide receivers, though, let's move on to another situation where a rookie, rookie, rookie <laughs> it's not Chewbacca, where a rookie <laughs> wide receiver has come in and apparently pushed a guy aside and everyone is just thinking, I don't know, he's shit. But this is another – well, this is a situation where I don't know where the quarterback's going, but I think very highly of him. And uh, with these two weapons, I think these guys can do a lot of damage. That's Garrett Wilson pushing Elijah Moore off to the side. What are you doing with Elijah Moore, Connor, in leagues that you already have established in and you've taken them in? And what are you doing? Are you scared of Garrett Wilson? My biggest thing is, like, why is there no chance for Zach Wilson to sustain two wide receivers? To, su to sustain two receiving weapons whatsoever? Like, there seems to be this underlying belief that Zach Wilson's is really bad quarterback. But I think that even if you do have this belief, the New York Jets probably did the best job of building around their wide receiver or around their quarterback of any team through that draft. They did literally, they gave him a running back. They gave him tight ends before the draft, during the draft. They had Elijah Moore and Corey Davis in-house, plus they added Garrett Wilson. Like, how could you not be confident in a Zach Wilson and be the wide receiving core being able to produce there? Like I just, for the life of me, cannot understand why there's this belief that they can't sustain that Zach Wilson can't sustain two wide receivers. That that's my biggest thing. I'm lost at why this belief is there. I don't, I don't get it, man. Then like, again, when he was coming in, I was a little, I don't know, little hesitant. Then they paired him up with Elijah Moore. I started liking it. This dude, everyone was going gaga over. I don't see how he failed in his rookie season, to be honest with you. I think he did quite well, especially since it was the Jets. And now you have a wide receiver and a rookie running, a rookie wide receiver and a rookie running back going uh, first in their respective positions in rookie drafts this year. And you're shitting on the quarterback again. I don't know, man. Uh, to me, I think this is going to be a, a very good, uh, like a not a Batman and a Robin, more like a Batman and, and Superman type of Justice League deal here where I think both of them could be uh, essential wide receiver ones uh, any given any given Sunday, I guess would be the expression there. And I think um, one of the biggest stats that stands out to me about Zach Wilson, he ranked third among quarterbacks and drop passes. He his his and I know that's not all gonna land on wide receivers, not all gonna land on tight ends or running backs specifically, but that's 41 drop passes. That's 3.1 per game. They they he saw a pass dropped. So Elijah Moore was his most reliable target and Garrett Wilson's definitely going to become an equally reliable target there. And this is a team who decided we invested the 102 in this quarterback. And we need to make sure that the pieces are there. And they had Michael Carter there. They had Elijah Moore there. They had Davis there. They had zero tight ends. But then they went out. They spent money on the two tight ends. They brought in another wide receiver. They bought in Brees Hall, arguably the best running back in this class. They they did such an incredible job of just building for this guy to succeed and building to have a wide open offense for Elijah Moore and, and Garrett Wilson to succeed. And to me, that like that that's that's the great thing about it and they can work wherever they need to work because elijah moore only spent 16 percent of the time in the slot last year but you could probably move him to the slot if you want gary wilson on the outside or you want him as a movable z there's a lot of flexibility to both of these guys because both of these guys produce extremely well you know elijah moore is a good route runner gary wilson's a good route runner gary wilson's great after the catch elijah moore was not so great after the catch last season. He ranked 50th among uh, wide receivers, averaging 2.6 per target. But at the end of the day, they kind of help each other out. This is, like you said, this is a Batman and a Robin situation. These are two guys who can work together and who I believe can work together extremely effectively. And it's so rare. Like, you think of all these instances with wide receivers and 
everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 this guy can sustain two wide receivers or this guy can sustain the weapons. And to me, I don't see any reason why Zach Wilson can't sustain those weapons. I don't see any reason why Zach Wilson can't do these guys justice and do a really incredible job at it. And I think, I mean, Zach Wilson, if you don't have him, he should be on your radar and you should be buying him. But we've been talking about that all offseason now. So call me actually crazy, Connor. I love those points you brought up. But um, nine times out of ten, I think it's not really a quarter. Okay, it is a quarterback that can sustain two weapons, but it's not just any two weapons. These two weapons need to coexist together and, and work well with each other. You can't have two of the same guys. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, like you said, Elijah Moore ranked 50th wide receiver after the couch with a two with a dismal 2.4 or 2.6. I, I I'll be honest, I forget what you actually rambled off there. Um <clears throat> where uh Garrett Wilson excels in that. Um they work different areas of the field. Both can bring out different aspects in Zach Wilson's game that me and you both very much like actually in Zach Wilson's game. Uh, I think anybody that's been shitting on him coming in to his rookie or in his second year is going to be kicking themselves in year two, year th- or year three, year four, because like this is the greatest value you're ever going to see um, on Zach Wilson. I can't believe it. I thought it was going to be the draft, but apparently his value's actually sunk a little bit. And I think for Elijah Moore, I think a move inside could be extremely effective. I mean, player profiler. Has this new stat, fantasy points per target versus man. One of the best areas of the field for someone to go and play if they struggle against man, which he did have a significant, he did have a really good win rate versus man coverage. Um, But his fantasy points per target versus man coverage ranked 53rd. But to me, that's an opportunity to move Elijah Moore inside and he can take advantage of mismatch. He's going to be lined up against either the slot corner or a linebacker or a safety watching over the top. There's a really good opportunity there to move him inside and have Garrett Wilson be your outside wide receiver and Corey Davis be your other outside wide receiver because Corey Davis is still there. He's for fantasy purposes, for all intents and purposes, I don't like him. I think he's useless you can probably get a value on him as your wide receiver five or six, but tell me what week you're going to confidently play the guy. You probably won't be able to, but to me, there's an opportunity to move Elijah Moore into the slot and use his route running ability, use his speed and use those different aspects of his game really well. He is a four, four 40 athlete. So he is a guy who's got good speed. He's got decent burst. Like he's got things that you like to see in a slot corner. And Garrett Wilson's got everything you want in that movable Z piece that's going to help Zach Wilson succeed greatly. And I think he's going to unlock even more potential in Elijah Moore's game. But onward and upward, <coughs> friend. Yeah, absolutely, we- man. Let's move into the Philadelphia Eagles, my team. They made big moves bringing in, speaking of another team who brought in weaponry, brought in the cavalry to help out the quarterback or save the quarterback, whatever storyline you want to roll with. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, can we call one or both winners in a passing offense that ranked 29th in attempts and 26th in completion percentage last season? Jim, I'll let you go first on this one. Well, I'll say this, man. I feel weird going first on this situation that would be the Eagles, but it seems to me that they are doing everything to say make or break Jalen Hurts this year. For uh, a franchise that snowballed Santa in my youth and um, seems to be chanting for the next quarterback every other season, this seems like this is going to be truly the make or break season for a quarterback, given that they have, for me, actually finally given this team legitimate weapons. You know what I mean? Like you've been you've been drafting. I mean, okay, listen, like it or not, you took Jalen Rager in the second. I like it. You don't. Know, whatever. That is what it is. You swung. You missed. Then you took another high-profile wide receiver in Devontae Smith. Fantastic. Now you're pairing him up with a guy, a beast of a man in A.J. Brown that can 
take one to the house on any given Sunday. Um, doesn't need a lot of wiggle room to, to do it in any way. So this is truly a make-or-break season for for uh, for for their quarterback here. We're going to see what, what Jalen Hurts does. And I like it, man. I like it because A.J. Brown, I mean, like um, for me, I don't know what anybody thinks of when they think of A.J. Brown, but I, I think of like him taking a nice shallow slant across and then just like trucking dudes over and taking one for a monster run of the house. You know what I mean? And then doing that baseball bat fucking celebration. Boom, cranking it out of cranking it out of, out of the park. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like him. He's a beast of a man. Uh, what do you think about him, Connor? You're the you're the Philadelphia Eagle lover. Yeah, no, I think this is a great scenario. I mean, Devonta Smith for how you want for how they seemingly want to use him, which is seems to be as the X wide receiver, the outside wide receiver, the guy who wins with his routes, he wins with his speed. And, I mean, it shows he ranked 20th among wide receivers in target separation. He can separate. He can do the work. And the amount of times I watched that guy go up to try and get an, a nearly uncatchable pass or a pass in double coverage, it was nauseating because he had nobody who was helping him underneath. You have to, Yeah, you have Dallas Goddard, whatever. That is what it is. You, you need the importance of having that second wide receiver in a offense can never be understated. You need a second wide receiver who helps because a tight end can only draw away so much attention. A running back can only draw away so much attention, especially in the type of field that Devonta Smith plays in versus the type of field that Kenneth Gainwell or Dallas Goddard play. They play the middle of the field. They play behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. A.J. Brown is that guy who can really help unlock Devonta Smith's game can both be sustained in an offense that was really um, not great from a passing perspective. I mean, I think they've really kind of lent this idea that they're going to pass the ball more. Will they lean on the run? They're definitely going to lean on the run a lot because that's what made Jalen Hurts most comfortable was the prospect of running, the prospect that when he was preparing to decide between the run, the pass, and the option, he knew the defenses had no clue what to expect because they had one, the best pat running defense in the league from week seven last year. And they have a mobile quarterback. And now they have AJ Brown added to the plethora of weapons that are there. Um, Quez Watkins is a wide receiver. Three is not that bad. Like you can actually put these guys, peg these guys in and be confident with them where they're going to be. But AJ Brown, like you said, he, he's a beast. He, he trucks people over. He works after the catch. He does an incredible job of that. Um, he had a massive hog rate in Tennessee. Is he going to necessarily see that same hog rate? Maybe not necessarily, but to that same point, he, I don't think he needs to, like you, like you alluded to, he can do things after the catch last season. He actually was only 2.4 per target, but I mean, uh, there was a various points of the season. AJ Brown was dealing with injuries and struggling to really get his game going. So I think a fully healthy and good to go. AJ Brown is going to be great. His yards per route run was seven. What was the year before? Well, let's go back to 2020 and take a look at the yards after the catch. He was 11th. So he was 38th at 2.4. And in a more healthy season where he played 14 games, still missed two games, he was 11th with 426 or 4.0 per target. But that's the guy, that's the AJ Brown you're Perfect. likely getting. You, you get your healthy AJ Brown. That is what he's going to do. He is going to work that middle of the field. He is going to pull, uh, command the attention of, you know, a roving linebacker or a safety. He's going to command the attention that was 100% directed at Devonta Smith as the support last season. And I think that helps both games. But I do understand there's going to be some concern over, can you trust Jalen Hurts in the passing game? Can you trust that both of these guys are going to be able to get adequate work to be able to produce his fantasy options? I prefer AJ Brandon, Devonta Smith. I like Devonta Smith as a football player. I think he's great for us. He's great. He's a great football player. He's good for the actual NFL outside of the fantasy world. But AJ, I want a guy who's going to do a lot after the catch for me and may not necessarily always have to go up and get the ball and that be it for him. I also think AJ Brown's going to be the guy who look to for like big man muscle in the red zone. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you just got it. 
I mean, like I get Devontae Smith is strong, uh, but there was some there was some Twitter banter and chirping about his uh, you know his body mass and how he could probably get stuck up for his lunch money by a fifth grader. Um, but, terrible, terrible. Uh, you know, I, not me. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but from one shaky quarterback play to another quarterback room that we don't even know now. There's reports that they're, the guy that got traded there might not even be the guy starting week one. Um, but as a result, I've seen the value of his wide receivers. I've always been a, a pro for the second one because his value was so good. But the first one now is almost like plummeting to uh, disrespectful range. That's DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for the Seattle Seahawks with news that Geno Smith is nudging Drew Locke for the week one start. I don't know what to believe anymore, Connor. I'll be honest with you. Uh, in a league that I'm in with you, uh, let's tell the, the tell the listeners in the fifth round, I took Geno Smith and the rookies and rookie in the vets. Fuck it. There's nobody else that's better better adjusted for me. I took Kate Otten, my last pick with a 503. I took Geno Smith. If it works out while week one, I'm the smartest man in the room. Uh, if I can flip him for a bag of chips and a, and a, and a Twinkie, maybe a Costco, Costco bucket of 30 chicken wings for uh, $25. If anybody wants to PayPal me, um, I will gladly take it. Uh, what are you thinking about this situation, though? I think this team's going to be really bad. I think they're going to throw the football a lot despite their investment. I don't think we like, so we talked Kenneth Walker up a lot last week, but I don't necessarily believe that you have to sit there and think that because they drafted Kenneth Walker, that they're clearly pointing to, we are going to run the ball the most in the NFL. We are going to run the ball down play teams throughout. I don't necessarily believe that. I think Chris Carson may be on his way out the door. I think Kenneth Walker's holding the door open with his foot and he's about to push Chris Carson out because there's money to be saved there. And then you roll with Rashad Penny and you roll with Kenneth Walker next year. Um, but, I mean, this seems going to be bad. Like, let's be honest. This team's going to be bad. They're going to have to throw the football a lot, whether it be Geno Smith, whether it be Drew Locke. And no matter what, their two best weapons are, you can argue Gerald Everett if you want, but the best weapons are Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf and the running backs. But you know of a team that's going to throw the ball, I mean, I'd have to look, but last season, team pass attempts per game, Seattle ranked dead last at 29. But that's still, you have to think that that's 29 pass attempts. It's got to go somewhere. And your two best weapons are your wide receivers. I don't think DK Metcalf has reached disrespectful range. He's still going as a wide receiver 11. But if if memory serves me correct, he was going as a wide receiver 4 or 5 last year. So yeah, he, has right. he has that's slipped. He has slipped. That's a huge quite a slip. It is a big slip. You're you're, you're correct, especially it's a disrespectful when disrespectful that... slip. Is that much tied to to Russell Wilson? I guess so. I Apparently. also think that Rashad Penny's also on his way out next year, and next year will be the Kenneth Walker and other show. He'll draft an adequately viable backup in uh, the 2023 draft, or maybe take a a wily vet. You know. I do um, want to point one statistic out that, that well, stands well, out about DK what? Metcalf. He had Russell Wilson at quarterback for what was it? Eight, eight games, 10 games. He missed with the, he missed a bit of time with the mallet finger or whatever. DK Metcalf saw 129 targets. He caught the ball 75 times for 967 yards. Second straight season with double digit receiving touchdowns. He had the most unrealized air yards of any wide receiver. For anyone who does not know what unrealized air yards are, they are total air yards minus actual receiving yards. So this man was targeted to the point that he ranked number six in total air yard targeted towards this man. And he still saw 940 of those yards go to the wayside by drop, by miss target, <laughs> by whatever. So if you are concerned about Drew Locke or Geno Smith and the potential of unrealized air yards or the DK Metcalf can't work with those unrealized air yards, the dude 
with Russell Wilson over 50% of games that season had the number one unrealized air yards. The dude does not realize a ton of yards already. So I wouldn't worry about his quarterback situation. It doesn't get much worse than missing out on 940 yards. Nope, no, it doesn't. And like you said, they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, tossing that pigskin around like nobody's business. And you know who it's going to go to? It's going to go to Bo Melton. No, I mean, Bo Scarborough. I mean, <laughs> Tyler Lockett. No, I mean, DK Metcalf. There you go. That's the guy it's going to go to. Like, come on, guys. Tyler Lockett, like, okay, Tyler Lockett, he's going to be hard again. Like, last season, you had a hard time deciding what week to start Tyler Lockett. I think it, it just got even harder, but he's still oh, going to be... He's got untouchable with Drew Locke. Yeah, it, it's pretty much untouchable at this point because, like, the guy was... You couldn't pick from week to week. Like, if you go back to the game log, he was a wide receiver 7, then the 2, 63, 71, 38, 69, 74, the 5... 66, right? 23, right? 29, hey. 11, 4. Like the guy is volatile as can be. You cannot decide on a given week when you're going to play this guy. And now he's got an even worse quarterback situation. Don't worry about DK Metcalf. I think he's at this point. Last year, I felt four or five was high. I felt it was aggressive. 11, that's a perfect range for me. I would take DK Metcalf in that range. I think he has reached respectable by my categorization. At least I think the disrespect is huge, and the fact that you dropped from four to 11. But so you would say that Tyler Lockett's games where you could pick him at viable wide receiver are slim pickings, I think, extremely perfect. From one pickings to another, is George Pickens a threat in the the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver room (laughs) to Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, perhaps Pat Fryermuth? Maybe that was the most corny that. transition we are going to have. <laughs> the punniest transition we're going to have. Um, now, to Chase Claypool, sure. I think Chase Claypool and George Pickens do things a lot more similar than him and Deontay Johnson. So to the people who are worried about Deontay Johnson, the this complete like hog rate machine, this guy that takes targets, eats them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, no. No, I'm not worried about that guy. The guy is going to be 100% fine. I would be more worried about Chase Claypool, but when I was looking at the Dynasty ADP, Chase Claypool, uh, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he's hanging out at wide receiver 50. 50. So, I mean, at this point, Deontay Johnson is in a good spot. You're fine to draft him where you're drafting him. Chase Claypool I think Chase Claypool's become value because first of all, my biggest thing with George Pickens is the maturity. Like, can you trust this guy to be mature? Can you trust this guy to really be on your roster and productive? And then you got Calvin Austin in the picture. I think Deontay Johnson's the safest wide receiver there. Well, let me ask you this. We always talk about the startup values. Let's talk about in, in, in league values, already established league values. You got Chase Claypool, Mm -hmm. What are you thinking the hit was in his value now? Like, what are you taking for 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 him now? And, and what do you think you can get in return? I think you next year's draft class. I don't know if you could get a second. I really don't. Like, I, I think you're at the point now where you might be in like rant like third round territory, and that's like terrible. you'd be better to hold. You got to hold. Like to me, you so, have to hold. We both know we both agree that the third round would be absolutely despicable. And I apologize to the listeners if I'm going on a little bit of a rant here. But let's think about what type of player you could possibly get for for Chase Claypool plus a third or plus a second. Let's say that. Plus Chase Claypool and a 2023 20, second. What's the type of range player do you think you're gonna get back in return? Whether it be wide receiver or running back, tight end, uh, you take your pick. What what would you be trying to look for? Probably a veteran, like a proven veteran, like a commodity in that aspect. Like I feel like you could get Adam Thielen. You might even be able to push a second and get Adam Thielen in a second. Like the older person that you can take off the roster and open up the roster spot, like maybe that somebody would be more justified in that. Like right now he's still going to have Christian Kirk. 
maybe you could get Chris, Lane Christian Kirk in a third. I'd be okay with that. I know you're disgusted by the proposition of Kirk, but I'm not necessarily disgusted by because balls got to go somewhere in, in Jacksonville. Marvin Jones. Arguably, you could say Marvin Jones, but Marvin Jones is not this target inhaler. He's not a guy who inhales targets and does a lot with him. But he's a he's red zone machine. He's got nose for the end zone. But I'm thinking like that range. Like I'm thinking you can probably get a wide receiver with who what you think could be upside for the next year or two and get a pick. Maybe the older you go, the better chance you might be able to put it yourself in their position to get a second rounder out of it. What, what, what are you looking back? at in a player? I'd be looking for a running back, uh, second round pick, and chase Claypool. I'd probably be looking in the um, Jesus. Who would be a guy that I would want? Oh, apparently, last week his value was way too high, and a guy like Tony Pollard. Um, uh, I would want it's, like when I look at startup ADP and I understand the value is going to be different, but Pollard's right there with Claypool. So I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility, but I think that the, can, the hype train's getting a little out of control and they, everybody thinks that Zeke is dead. Yeah. I, I think that that proposition will be put to rest early on. I think Zeke Pollard owners are, are Pollard truthers. You're paying mm-hmm. a premium and a lead to get them. <clears throat> but anyway, Enough about that rant. What about Zamir White? Oh, there are a lot of running backs in the startup. Baby, ADP that I like Zamir, but I don't think you need to put the second round pick or the third round. I think you just go straight Claypool. You do Claypool straight up for Zamir White? Uh, I would, but you know me. I'm just absolutely insane about Zamir White. Yeah, you're, you're Zamir White. You would be what we call a truth or cream hunts down here. I do, I and I'm a cream hunt cream truther hunt. too. That's another guy that I that I wouldn't mm-hmm. mind slapping the baby on. There's definitely enough juice in the caboose and enough uh, <laughs> tread on the tires in there for for him to for him to get. But a what slap. is you like? I want to get your overall perspective. We talked Claypool, we talked Pickens, but like, are you bought into? Are you bought into Deontay Johnson? Like, yeah, actually, I to you bought, enough. I'm bought into Deontay Johnson. Uh, but as I've said many, many times before, you better get fucking used to a downturn as much as you want to make fun of the noodle arm on Big Ben. The mind was there to audible mm-hmm. out and read the defenses and put Deontay Johnson into the pristine and, and optimal positions and the Najee Harris is into the positions that they were to see those types of defenses that they saw. I don't think Mitch Trubisky has it. So you get the upgrade on the arm, but you get the downgrade on the IQ. Is that really the best thing for you? I don't know, but I we do are not we are not QB wizards. I believe in the talent of Deontay Johnson mm-hmm. to at least be the alpha male in that in that wide receiver room. But I like it. And those are the those are the what are they's that we have no real ideas what they're really going to be. But before we get into the clear cut winners, Connor, I think we should take a word from our sponsors at Viridian Global. Here at the Gold Jacket Podcast, we take family very seriously. We know that family doesn't always stop at the bloodline. It's a word that ensures trust. It's a word that, well, around here means that I know that I can count on you to have my back. Viridian Global is family, a family of the Fantasy Collective, and that is the exact reason Viridian Global will have your back. And I don't just mean literally covering your back in the best apparel they can possibly outfit you in. I mean at every step of the way, from finding the brand that fits you best to tracking your order to making sure you are fully satisfied at every step. With over 50 brands a part of the Fantasy Football Collective family, what are you waiting for? Join the family now. ViridianGlobal.com as you said, Jim, that was a what are they? We kind of touched on a little bit of everything to do with those rooms, but we did pick some winners and some losers, or I we kind of pegged them as winners and losers, but maybe we have different thought processes on it. Rashad Bateman, I have as a winner. Um, so, so we've we've been we've been chatting in a group chat a bunch, and the impact that Rashad Bateman had on the game of Marquise Brown wasn't that bad. 
the impact he had on the game of Mark Andrews was significant. The impact that Tyler Huntley then had on Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews game was massive. Tyler Huntley absolutely loved and adored Mark Andrews, and we will dive into him very extensively next week when we talk the tight ends episode and whether we're talking a winner or loser in Mark Andrews. But Rashad, but Rashad Bateman, the value is unbelievable. Despite the, the, the microcosm that is Twitter and the Twitter sphere and everything that's being discussed, his ADP is still not, not getting there. And this is somebody who a lot of people really liked last season. Like he's going as a wide receiver 32 right now. And I think we talked about this pre-episode. He's going behind eight rookie wide receivers, eight. And I can get, I would put. So you're telling me like if I, if I drafted this year and I always argue, like I argued this last year or last week. I mean, uh, not every rookie class is equal. Not every one-on-one is equal. So you're telling me right now I could draft a guy like Traylon Burks and flip him for Rashad Bateman plus? Based on ADP, based on the startup value, yes. If you owned Rashad Bateman, would you take it? If I came in and drafted Traylon Burks in, in this draft year and said, I'm going to trade you Traylon Burks or Drake, Lon- Drake London, let's say Drake London, uh, and whichever one's your one. Uh, and I want I want to trade him for Rashad Bateman in a 23 second. You doing it? No, I'm keeping Rashad Bateman. I oh, I per- I personally like Rashad Bateman. I personally, and and the Ravens have done nothing to replace anything. They are good in house. It seems with Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay. James Prochet, as yeah. you were alluding to earlier. Like, they seem to be good. Tylen Wallace, he might finally get his opportunity. Like, they seem hey, good well, What about this? Him. What about this? How about another way? Rashad Bateman or Elijah Moore? This was a hot debate as rookies. Is it still as Very. hot now as sophomores? It's hilarious because this could be a double-double. Their ADPs are 31 and 32. Elijah Moore, Rashad Ooh. Bateman right now. So the hot debate, the, the most contentious rookie debate of last year has literally turned into who do you want as your wide receiver three in startups this year? Is that not the most ridiculous complete 360 from what last year was? Like yeah. these are guys who would have been talked about as my startup ADP would be just outside wide receiver one. You'd be like, oh, we're probably debating these guys that like, well, Elijah Moore was higher than Bateman because Bateman had the injury. But you're talking about these guys that get the high-end twos, mid-twos, low twos last year. And now we're talking about these guys as the wide receiver 31 and 32. <laughs> the value on those two is absolutely ridiculously absurd. And I'm taking either of them over about 10 names in front of them every day till Sunday. But Love it. am I picking Elijah Moore? Am I picking Rashad Bateman? Probably picking Rashad Bateman because I was a Rashad Bateman guy last year. I stood on the Rashad Bateman. I like the Rashad Bateman talent. I prefer the Rashad Bateman talent, the size, the talent, the profile, everything. I preferred it over Elijah Moore. And now even more than ever, you don't look like a complete fool for standing on the Rashad Bateman side. Last year, the Elijah Moore truthers made you feel like you were a complete bonehead for doing it. And now how the mighty have fallen, Elijah Moore and Rashad Bateman stand side by side in startup drafts. Um, I love Rashad Bateman. I like Elijah Moore too. I like them both. Uh, you can pro- abs- you can probably get them both if you. If I probably had desires. them both to be honest with you <laughs> in rookie drafts. I probably ended up getting them both. Uh, because I believed in the size and the talent of Rashad Bateman and what what he could absolutely do. Do I fear that he could be in another Nikhil Harry? Absolutely, but um, you got to swing for the fences and take that take that risk. I also liked the. explosive ability that Elijah Moore can bring to the table. So two different styles of wide receiver and two different reasons why I love him. But um, to me, I'd probably still be taking Elijah Moore, I think. And it's based solely on – I know their startup values are right there and there, so it was a double-double. 
But I think in season, like in established leagues, I think I could get fucking Elijah Moore plus for Bateman. So give me a give me Elijah Moore. Elijah, and... I think it's the other way around. I think you could probably move Elijah Moore for Bateman plus because the oh, sample size isn't there no for chance. Bateman. It's not everyone's there. thinking, yeah, but everyone's seeing Marquise. Everyone's seeing Rashad Bateman's reason is Marquise Brown being departed, and he's wide open for the wide receiver one role there. Well. Other people are seeing Garrett Wilson blocking the wide receiver ceiling while one mm. ceiling that Elijah Moore has, right? And like that's why Fair. I think they've even dwelt. Fair. Now, what about the Houston Texans room? I know we both Woo. were, you know, we were big fans of Nico, Nico Collins. Collins last season, and you are a uh, you were a big fan of John Mechie. I I did see in this league that we're in together. You told me at the end of last week's episode you wanted two names, and you got sniped on both those names. I sure did. And you sure made a comment about the John Mechie snipe in the group chat of that league. But I mean, is this not one of the most underrated rooms? Completely like they like we. I gotta, I gotta go through the ADPs and find where the first Houston Texan off the board is. Screw the Arizona Cardinals and where that is. The first Houston Texan off the board is Brandon Cooks. He's going as a wide receiver, forty-four. Perfect. That is 44. value upon value upon value. And I was gonna say, out of the entire wide receiver room, the one you really want to get is Brandon Cooks. He's so disrespected. Like that's retarded. I'm sorry. I got that. Is this, this is a guy. This is a guy. Who is coming off of back to back 100 and like talk about opportunity 133 targets last season, 119 the season before that? He has produced over a thousand yards in putrid offenses. He was a what? What he was the wide receiver 19 last season, the wide receiver 17 in fantasy points per game. That's insane. The only season he has finished outside the top 24 in per game average was in. 2019 he had 67 and that was the season that he struggled with injuries he had some injuries he he only played 14 games was the least amount of games he played and he struggled with the injuries but this is a guy who has never in per game output finished outside of the top 24 just that one season like that is straight up pure unreal unnecessary unwarranted disrespect to Brandon Cooks and Davis Mills. Davis Mills, disrespect him, respect him, whatever you want to do there. This team is built in a way that they are prepared to go forward with this and try and prove that Davis Mills is this guy, is the guy. And if not next year, they are going to look at one of those quarterbacks next season because there's a plethora of them in play for them, including CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, a whole bunch of different names. But this guy, I just can't believe the disrespect. I just can't. I can't understand it. At the very worst, if he's going to finish outside the top 24, there's no way he finishes outside the top 36. Zero chance he finishes outside no, of, not of, of a wide receiver. I don't think he finishes outside the top 24, man. Like, man, I think the Texans are going to be the fucking Saxons. They're going to be uh, sexing it up on the field and, and slapping babies around, uh, kissing ladies, and uh, shocking, shocking a lot of people. Um, he was last year with the, all the, the 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 chaos at the quarterback position. He saw a he was ranked 16th in air yards. He saw 1400 air yards. Like people scream opportunity from the mountaintop. Like you look at Garrett Wilson. Oh, the opportunity! The opportunity he's taken from Elijah Moore. Look at this! <laughs> look at this! How come opportunity counts differently for? different players for different opportunities because like, some people like apple Zach pie Wilson. and some people like boysenberry you're but nobody Zach likes people, the pumpkin people are absolutely disrespecting zach wilson and then they're sitting there in davis mills and they're disrespecting davis mills and they're like oh davis mills there's no way there's no way this football team can connect on any type of pass for an entire season no they will they can they will, and Brandon Cooks will be the biggest recipient of that. And it just blows my mind how opportunity is leveled so differently and considered so differently based on the name. 
Not the opportunity based on the name of the player and maybe the situation. But look at this situation. This is a prime golden situation. I just, I, I can't, I can't, I just can't. Well, speaking of prime golden situations, staying in the AFC South, they just signed a backup quarterback that's been known to knock QB1s out of the door. It's Big Dick Nick, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Matt Ryan, Matty Ice. We're going to see how cool he is as he's throwing passes to our winner of the NFL draft, Michael Pittman Jr., son of Super Bowl winner Michael Pittman Sr. What do you got to say about that? Man, this he's one. a dude. He's an absolute dude. You're telling me that the only competition that they brought in is Alec Pierce. And you got Paris Campbell coming back, who they absolutely love and is oh, man. probably an injury away from missing time again, obviously. Like, you, you can I, almost listen, get I'm going to like keep taking him out of this for hope because the one year that I fade him is going to be the year that he busts out finally. He's going to be like the Cordell Patterson year nine. Uh, Paris Campbell finally puts it all together. 129 targets Cobb Pittman had last season with T.Y. Hilton in the picture. T.Y. Hilton's not in the picture. Could he return to the picture? Yes. Could he be? Is he any impact to Michael Pittman's game? I don't think so. I think Michael Pittman is the guy. He's the dude. They said it. They had this opportunity. Obviously, they don't have. They didn't have the first rounder. They lost it to the Eagles in the Carson Wentz deal. Bravo. Great deal. But, I mean, at the end of the day, they had a chance if they wanted to trade up. If they felt wide receiver was a need, they could have made a move to address wide receiver position through free agency, through the draft, and they opted to address it through Alec Pierce. That is, no that is the biggest threat. Not We're not shitting on, on him, Alex but he's, Pierce, not, no. he's not a Batman. He's and he ain't no, yeah, he, he's, Michael Pittman's that guy. Like, he had a, he had a, he ranked 14th in target share, 25% target share in this Indianapolis Colts offense last season. And to sit there and say that he can't eclipse that again this season with a, I would argue, there's a debate out there right now that Michael Pittman or that Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and who's a better quarterback. And people would argue Carson Wentz is a little bit people better. Would, than and people would be right. Regressing Matt Ryan. But like, I think I still think Matt Ryan can hit his targets. Look at Calvin Ridley and, and uh, Julio Jones a couple years ago. We were loving that. And there's no reason to believe that he can't hit Michael Pittman. I think he can continue to hit Michael Pittman and do well for him. Michael Pittman ranked top 24 around a number of key categories. You look at red zone targets, 14th, points per game, 22, touchdowns, 20th, yards after the catch, 22, receiving yards, 16, receptions, 15th. The dude was already laying the land for you that I'm about to blow up. Like, take yeah. me while you can, because he a, is top 24 in a lot of categories that you want to talk about opportunity in. So, yeah, you, you should have bought into the Pittman hype. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's got, like, the number one dynasty running back, too, right? That's going to that's mm-hmm. gonna keep uh, defenses honest, man, and, and get them some opportunities. We got one more winner, Connor. I've already kind of been alluding to him about trade value and where you can possibly end up trading for plus plus for other guys. Um, how do you feel about him? He's killed five feral hogs with his bare hands or a knife. Now he's gone to a wide receiver room and slaying that too because they got rid of A.J. Brown and they and they drafted Traylon Burks. Are you uh you buying in the hype there? Listen, you spelled it out perfectly. They traded AJ Brown, and with that preceding pick that they received, they drafted Traylon Burks. That is literally all you need to know. That is all the information you need to have in front of you. The the, the Drake. I would take Burks before London. I would take Burks before London, and and London's going before Burks. Buy a couple picks in startups. Traylon Burks has equal, if not better, opportunity because he's got a better quarterback. I'm taking Ryan Tannehill for two years versus Mariota for one, and then whatever they decide to do next season at the quarterback position, I'm taking that. And 
like I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see either team go back to the well at wide receiver as well. But they do have Robert Woods in town as well in Tennessee and stuff. They just have nothing in Atlanta. That's what's driving the Drake London effect that's happening is they literally have nothing and they're showing no interest in doing anything with it. But I would have taken Traylon Burks. I love Traylon Burks. I really liked him through and through the process and what I saw. He can do so much after the catch. He's just, he's such a good, he, they, the best comp a lot of like big name draft guys were given was AJ Brown to Traylon Burks, like a discount AJ Brown. So they kind of tried to replace AJ Brown with AJ Brown, but a discounted AJ Brown, like the opportunities there, it's endless for Traylon Burks. He's a hundred percent a winner. Robert Woods is going to be there. He's going to do things, but he's not going to take away from Traylon Burks. The prospect of trading your top wide receiver and using that, then using that pick to draft a wide receiver tells you all you need to know. You're muted. I didn't realize I was muted there. Um, what it actually, what I'm taking away from this entire factum is with Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, I think that's what's going to end up replacing the A.J. Brown factor. But me, I'm leaning on more Derrick Henry. This is going to be a more faceted and focused Derrick Henry offense. Um, that's just me. Connor. I don't really want to talk about Traylon Burks because I'm not really sold on him. But apparently, if I could get him, I would get him and then trade him for plus plus. Uh, before we Absolutely. get the losers, and you tell the people who we think is a big loser, did you know? Should we tell the people that just rating us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or on Google platforms with a one to five and telling us how you positively impact the community? Or, you know what, any other listening device that you happen to be listening on right now, and you tell us how you positively impact the community and send either you or me a screenshot of that any way, whether you know me personally or whether it's through Twitter, any way you want to send an SMS, I don't care, email, you get it to me or Connor, we're going to pick out somebody that has positively impacted the community and give away a Scott Fishbowl 12 entry. How are you feeling about that? I'm actually pretty pumped myself. I love it. I was pumped when you sent me the screenshot that when Scott Fish said it's that season, we want to give some away, give me your idea. And you sent me that. I was like, that's a cool idea. That's a unique idea. That is the easiest way you're going to get into Scott Fish. And all you got to do is tell us what you are proud of how you impacted positively your community and you can 100% be you're entered and be like Jim's alluded to the dozens and dozens that listen to us, your chances are getting better and better by the day. So go rate review. You can give us a one, you can give us a whatever the lowest, or you can give us the highest, but all that matters to you is the comment, that review, that, that review, not the rating, the review. And I don't even care about the review. Like, I don't care if you review us as a good show or a bad show. I just want to know how you positively impact the community every day. Scott Fish mm -hmm. is about positively impacting others' lives, uh, what he does with the Toys for Tots and many other charitable uh, organizations that he's a part of. So you just tell us how you positively impact the community, and you're in there, man. It's pretty simple. Uh, we got a couple entries right now. Good luck to all of those entered. We will be drawing it next week live on the show. So you got really a week. You got a week to get together, man, boys. Let's, let's hustle up, boys and girls. Uh, but, Connor, let's talk. I've well, just talked about winners. Hopefully a potential winner there with Scott Fishbowl. Um, now let's give me your loser. The biggest loser for me, and it was the one the I looked through a lot of receiver rooms and I was like, I don't I don't know if there's a ton of receive like losing receivers in this situation. You can justify two or three being good and doing their thing in an offense and producing. It just all depends on ADP and the, the value that another manager might have in a trade. But the biggest loser to me was DJ Moore. This guy can't catch a break. The dude can't catch a break. They they still have Sam Darnold in the fold. They went out and they drafted one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in this class. And Matt Corral 
as a potential, you know, a potential replacement for Sam Darnold if things don't work out. There's rumors about Cam Newton, and maybe there's a couple things that the Carolina Panthers laid out is if you agree to these, we'll bring you in. This man can't catch a break with a good quarterback. And he can be so good. The thing is, he could be so good, and we know that. And this is a guy that we sit there, and it's kind of like the Joe Mixon hype. Joe Mixon, the hype that happened, and he kept getting injured, and situations kept arising, and we just couldn't. Like, people got afraid to buy into it. DJ Moore is that guy. Like, he has four years. First of all, 25 years old with four years' experience in the NFL. Just turned 25. And the last three years, he's been uh, in fantasy points per game. He's been top 30. Two of those seasons as a top 24 wide receiver, and his quarterback situation has been horrible. He hasn't been able to see. He's had four receiving touchdowns in each of the last three seasons, which is amazing. I wish he would have more because that's what would put him over the edge is to get it that touchdown edge, but he just doesn't get it. He's had over 1,100 yards. He's had over 118 targets each of the last three seasons. Last season alone, he had 162 targets. Like This is massive. But ranked number four in unrealized air yards, another guy that just can't overcome the factor, whereas Metcalf could overcome it. DJ Moore just hasn't been able to overcome that factor of a really bad quarterback, but he's likely still going to end up a top 24 wide receiver. He's likely still a value for you. Kind of, he's going as a wide receiver 15, so it's tough to justify it at this point, but I think he's a loser because Carolina is doing no favors to this guy. Let me ask you this real quick. As you alluded to the Joe Mixon, and as soon as people gave up on Joe Mixon, he finally exploded. The talent was there. Just he didn't have anything, everything in place. Um, He gets the line in place and explodes. Um, Now that everybody's kind of going off of DJ Moore a little bit, do you think this could be his time to finally, where he finally ends up popping and, and going, or has there not been enough yet in place with him with a with a competent Robin for him, and uh, maybe a fully maybe a fully healthy CMC, maybe that's the the final key ingredient that that they're really missing. Oh, come on, we all know that, that they're really missing is uh, but maybe that'll that'll open them up for a massive you know fourteen hundred yard season, ten touchdown uh, season. I don't know what what are your thoughts on that? I agree. I, I think the the CMC impacts that offense so much. And you saw it like when Mike Davis was doing okay, he was doing that offense ran so much better, moved so much better. But obviously Mike Davis was not the same animal that Christian McCaffrey is. Um, so like for me, yeah, I'll take DJ Moore off your hands. I'll buy DJ Moore. I'll, if I have to pay a little bit of a premium, I'll play, pay a slight premium. But right now there's so many people out on him that I think the only people left standing are the DJ Moore truthers. But if this guy blows up, like we're not talking about your typical four years in the league, 27-year-old wide receiver. We're talking four, fifth year in the wide year, fifth year in the NFL, and the guy is going to be 25 years old and blowing up. This, If this is a year, you have a stud wide receiver for so many more years to come. You have a stud wide receiver just entering his prime at the age of 25, and he could run rule the roost for the next five years and give you five years of insane production. The hope and prayer is that that also comes with, he proves it with garbage QB play, and he's been kind of proving it with garbage QB play, but he proves it even more with garbage QB play next season, and then they give him a quarterback. This feels almost like the Allen Robinson thing. Look at the amount of targets. Look at the volume. Look at what he's doing with garbage quarterbacks. Imagine what he could do with a quarterback. They got to get that position right. But I think Christian McCaffrey coming into the picture, he won't see 162 targets. I don't think he'll see 162 targets. I think Christian McCaffrey's into that pot. But the guy's done it with 135, 118. He can do it with less. That's not the problem. The problem is getting this offense to click and click properly quickly for DJ Moore. Couldn't agree more there, Connor, because he could definitely do it with a little bit less. He doesn't need that massive target share. He could definitely do it on 118, 120 targets. Um, but still a loser because that organization hasn't really put the pieces in place to 
build a sustainable winner, and let's be honest, not even really compete heavily in that division. Uh, and the first not the first race is out of your division before you can see out of uh, into a playoff spot and 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 try to chase that Lombardi. You got to get out of your division. So uh, first win your division, and I don't even think you can do that. So definitely a big fat loser. I like it. Um, maybe a value in your dynasty leagues if you have them, um, or if you need a viable wide receiver three uh, poking around. You probably get Based on startup, there's still people kicking the tires on the guy. They're trying, but there might be some owners who've sat on that uh, jackpot for four years and they, they're ready to pull the trigger like the Joe Mixon owners before last season. They're just ready to let loose and say, I'm done with this guy. And if so, come my way. That's all I got to say. But for now, that is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening and supporting. Make sure to rate, review, like, or subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. And, of course, remember, if you're rating and you're reviewing, there's a good chance that if you flip us a screenshot of that rating and that review, that you can get entered to be a participant in Scott Fishbowl 12 this season. Positive impact on the community, not just any review. Yeah, positive impact on the community. We really, if you want to review, throw in a review at the end, go ahead. But we we are who we are and we're going to be us. So, But uh, thank you to all the sponsors. Shout out to Brooding Global, Trophy Smack, and Underdog Fantasy. Uh, remember, Trophy Smack, use that promo code TNFF with your purchase and receive a free championship ring. Make sure the championship ring is in your basket with your trophy, your belt, or your chain and you will use the promo code and get that free ring. Check out the True North Fantasy Football crew above Jim's head, truenorthffb.com, at truenorthffb on Twitter, TNFF Network on YouTube, where you were probably checking us out right now. And follow Jim at QBs. Follow myself at Connor10, that's T-E-N, not the number. And uh, next season, we are diving into the tight end position. But until then, see you next Tuesday. I want to go eat some ice cream. This is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life.